0: passage this morning is going to be the book of First Samuel in the Old Testament starting in chapter 17. We'll be reading the entire chapter, but for our scripture reading this morning, we're going to start in verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and i will strike you down and cut off your head and i will give the dead bodies of the host of the philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all of the earth may know that there is a god in israel and that and that all this assembly may know that the lord saves not with the sword and spear for the battle is the lord's and he will give you into our hand and the philistines arose and came and drew near To meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand on his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground.
1: Sorry. So here's the picture that we have. We, we see there's this valley. There's these two mountain ranges that are separated by a valley. And it says that the Philistines were on one side of the mountain and the Israelites were on the other side of the mountain. And, and you might say, well, what, what's so uh, magnificent about this? Well, we'll see later on in the story that the, the, the champion, Goliath, would come and stand on the mountain and he would shout across the ravine, the valley, to the Israelites, and the Israelites could hear him. And so there's this scene, there's this battle awaiting to happen. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in span, and he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he had armed on his coats of mail. And the weight of the coat was... 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung uh, between his shoulders, and a shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. You see, over and over, you see the description of this great giant The first thing that we see and we notice is that that, that Goliath, it says, he's nine feet, six inches tall. Now, I want you to take that for a moment. That is almost two feet taller than than one of the tallest uh, NBA players that's ever played, Yao Ming. Two feet. His head was hovering right at about the height of a basketball goal. So, nine feet nine inches tall, we'll see David. David's still a boy. It said that David came up to about his waist. So, I want you to get the picture. I mean, that's like when little Cedar comes in here. Cedar comes up to about my waist. And then it said this about the Philistine that he had all this armor on bronze helmet, bronze shin guards, bronze breastplate, bronze all this bronze, because the the Philistines, they knew how to take metal and forge it into weapons. They were advanced. The the Philistines were way more advanced than the Israelites. So every day that this Philistine would come out, nine feet, six inches tall, and scream at these small Israelites. And it says this, the the weight of all the armor is said to be around 150 pounds. Think about that for a moment. Some of you in here don't weigh 150 pounds. But think about that, like 150 pounds, how massive this guy had to be to go into war and to be a warrior with 150 pounds strapped to him. So he's not just like a beanpole, He's massive. I hope you're starting to get this picture of this giant. And he stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel. Why have you come out to draw up to battle? I am not a Philistine, and you are not a servant of Saul. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then you we will be your servants, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants. And behold, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that, may fight, that we may fight together. And catch what happens in verse 11. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So we see that here comes Goliath every day. We'll see it in the text in a few moments. Forty days in a row, this huge giant comes out and taunts the Israelites. And it says in verse 11 that Saul and all the people of Israel become frightened and dismayed, and they run and they flee. Well, whose job was it to fight the giant? It would have been Saul's. But you remember what happened to Saul in chapter two chapters ago. The spirit of the Lord left King Saul. And so Saul no longer had the courage that he had before. And so now he becomes frightened because the spirit of the Lord is not with him. And I just wonder if that day, several chapters ago, if that day that Saul would have repented of his sin and the Spirit of the Lord didn't depart of him, what this story would have looked like. But no, no, he sins and never repents. And we see from that moment on and from this moment on, the the battles don't go well for King Saul. So they become greatly afraid, verse 12. Remember now David, the son of a Bethlehemite, And Judah, his name, his dad's name was Jesse, who had eight sons. In that day, Saul and the man was already old. That's Jesse was old and advanced in years. And the three oldest sons of Jesse, remember we talked about those in chapter 16, at the anointing of David, they were with Saul in battle. And David, the youngest, verse 14, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. And then verse 16. Forty days the Philistine came forward and took a stand, his stand, morning and evening. Forty days. There's significance of the word. 40 days in the bible 40 days we see throughout scripture has this idea attached to it of testing 40 days in the wilderness is where jesus went right before his testing to walk the 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 world and do his ministry and so for 40 days this giant came and tested the israelites but he came out morning and evening 80 times he defies god He mocks the power of God. He mocks the presence of God. He mocks the protection of God. He's not just mocking the Israelites, but he's defying and provoking the power of God. And what do the Israelites do? They take no stand. They flee. This man mocks the living God, and the people of God flee. Except for one man. We'll see that in a moment. So, 40 days, night and morning, the Philistine comes and mocks God. And back in the pasture, away from the war, is young David. And Jesse said to David, his son, Take for your brothers, take this parched grain and these five ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brother and also take these ten cheeses to the commander of the thousands and see if your brothers are well and bring some token to them so here's david We, we remember the sovereignty of god we see throughout this story the god has been preparing david and even now he's going to prepare david in this moment by saying through jesse hey i need i need david to go see his brothers david is not thinking remembered the same way the day that he was in the pasture getting about to be anointed he had no idea the anointing was coming he was just doing what god had called him to do and being prepared in the way that god had preparing him and that's true again this day david did not wake up that morning and think today i'm going to go and slay the giant." Most likely, he knew that his brothers were at war, but he had no idea what was going on for 40 days. And so for 40 days, Jesse hears nothing about his sons and becomes concerned and sends young David, hey, go check on your brothers and see if they're doing well, and then come bring that report back to me. I got to make sure that your brothers are okay. So he sends young David to check on his Three older siblings. Verse 19. Now Saul. And they and all the men of Israel were in the valley fighting with the Philistines. But they weren't fighting yet. There was no war that happened yet. They were preparing for war. But we see how they prepared for war. They were fleeing. They were hiding. And David arose in the morning And left his sheep with a keeper. I could do a whole sermon on that one half of a verse. Think about that. That David is called by his dad to go to to the war. To check on his brothers. But David does something before he goes. He makes provision for his sheep. Do you see that in the text? Like young David... I don't know about you, but if someone tells me to go to war, my my mind's going to be thinking about going to war, not some hundred sheep in a pasture. But young David cared for the sheep. And he cared so much of them that he made provision that someone else would caretake them. You see, David had already been being matured in his heart for all that God would have for him. And with a keeper, and he took the provisions and went... And Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the encampment, he came to the battle lines, he came to the war. The host that was going out to battle line and shouting the war cry. I wonder what that war cry sounded like. Probably more tears and whimpering from the Israelites and more chanting and yelling from the Philistines. So there's this war cry and Israel and all the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge with the keeper of the, the baggage and ran to the ranks. So here comes young David. He comes to the fold of the, the army and sees what's going on. He leaves the bag of all the things that, da- that his dad told him. Hey, take these to your brothers. He leaves those with the keeper. And this little boy runs all the way to the front battle line. Now, remember, you had to be 20 years of age to go into war. And it says that he had how many sons? Eight. And who was the youngest? David. So there's no way that David's but about 14 or 15 years old. Like we have this idea that young David, when he goes out to face the giant, he's like 20, 25 years old, kind of strapping dude. No, he's about like the age of Jackson. you know young Jackson, Jesse, for instance, like Jesse, if he stood up, that's who's going out to battle. A a 14 year old boy against a nine foot six warrior. Like Goliath had been in a lot of battles and he must have won everyone because why he's still alive. He was never defeated. And David, with all the courage in him runs to the front of the line. He begins to hear over the distance what this, young, this old Philistine is saying and how he's mocking God and how he's mocking the Israelites and how he's mocking the power of God. And he makes his way all the way to the front lines. And he went and greeted his brothers. And he, he talked with him, behold, the champion, Goliath, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And now David can hear it clearly. David can hear clearly that this man is mocking his God. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him, and they were much afraid. Forty days, 80 times the same. And now here young David is. They flee and David's standing there on the corner by himself with the cowards behind him. And all the men fled. And then the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up against us? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him and give great riches, and give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood with him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is, the, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of a living God? Catch that next question. Who is this man? Here's a 14-year-old boy saying to the Israelites who is this man and who does he think he is i don't know about you but if i was david i would run back to the sheep who does this man think he is that he should defy the living god and the people answered him the same way so shall it be done to the man who kills him basically what they're saying is man what's it matter if Saul's going to give us all this stuff we're going to be dead anyway so it doesn't matter if we have a a wife it doesn't matter if we go free we're going to be dead anyway but David doesn't get caught up with the stuff that's going to be offered and now the oldest brother heard when David spoke to the men And the oldest brother, Eliab, his anger was kindled against David and said, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? He mocks David. You see that? He starts mocking David. David, 14-year-old, has all this courage, begins to ask these questions. Then the oldest brother, he's got to have some line of resentment because he knows, hey, he was just nominated to be the next king. And so we see the resentment pour out on young David and he teases them hey go back with those puny little sheep who are you to be here with the men i know your presumptions and the evil that's in your heart and why you've come down to see this battle and david said what have i done now now what anybody have older siblings that got picked on anyone ever thought to yourself that question what now like come on man leave me alone maybe you are the older sibling and you've done that i'm both i'm the middle child so i've done both i just paid back what was paid to me sorry for my little sister just paying it forward right so he says what have i done now was it not but a word and he turned away from him and towards another the other brother And spoke the same way. And the people answered him. Again the same as before. And now catch this. And when the words of David were spoken and heard. They repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. Saul sends. The king sends for young David. The king sends for a 14 year old. To do the king's job. So he sends for Saul. And David said to Saul. Let man's heart not fail because of that Philistine because of him your servant David will go and fight this Philistine like I know none of your warriors will go I know you Saul won't go but I'll go sign me up I'll go because I can't stand that man talking about my God that way and I'll go I wonder for us how we cower so often when it comes to the truths of God to the things of God how we turn a blind eye to them and we don't say like David says hey send me I'll go I'll fight you see we know the end of the story David didn't know the end of the story David didn't know he's gonna he, he has the confidence of who God is but he doesn't know what's going to happen but he says send me I'll go So he says to Saul, "I'll go." And then what happens in verse thirty-three? And Saul said to David, "But you are about to go against the Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war since his youth." I wonder how often church, the discouragement to go fight the things of God, they don't come from without the camp; they come from with. In the camp. Do you see that twice? David, the 14 year old boy, goes and he goes and presents himself to the brothers and says, Who is this man? I'll go fight him. He says, The song, Who is this man? I'll go fight him. And the, the camp says, No, 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 you can't do that. The people of God discouraged the man of God to go fight on behalf of God. So often, discouragement happens in here way more than it happens. Out there. I remember being 18 years old and got the call on my life to be a pastor. And I went to a person that professed to be a believer, and I was excited. And for the first time in my life, I really had direction. I really thought, "Man, this is what God has for me." And I sat them down. And I began to pour out my heart about all that God was doing in my heart, and said to them, "I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor." This is a, supposedly a godly person, and their response was, "But you'll make no money." Well, no kidding. But I didn't get the encouragement from another believer. And I wonder how many times God's called you to something and you've gone and you've shared that call to someone else and the person that's supposed to be a believer says, oh, you can't do that. See, I believe that God has great things for this church. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe one day we'll go to multiple services but people outside will be, you're just a small country church what what what's god going to do with y'all because i believe god's given me a vision for this place but other believers are no man what has that been true in your life how often the discouragement comes from within the church and so saul says you can't do that young david And look at David's response. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep and his father for his father. And when there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck him and killed him. David goes back to remembering the goodness of God. Like David says, I know who God is, and I know what God can do for me, and I've seen what God can do for me. God delivered me from a lion and a bear. Who is this great Philistine that my God, through me, can't conquer? Not just wonder, church. How often we look this way and get discouraged rather than look and see all that God has done for us. If you're here this morning and you know Christ Jesus as your Savior, you have lions and bears in your story that only God has conquered. Amen? Which would give us the courage that when the next thing comes, we look back and say, there's God's faithfulness. If God was faithful then, he'll definitely be faithful today. Amen? That's what David did that day. I caught him by the beard and killed him. Your servant has struck both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. That's a bad teenage boy right there. Like, I killed lions, I killed bears. Lions, tigers, and bears, and giants. They're all mine. I'll take care of them. And this is how he knows. He says, this Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living god and david said the lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will what deliver me from the hand of the philistine you see the confidence that young david has in god do we have that same confidence church and then saul said to david Go, and the Lord be with you. Basically what Saul said is, good luck, man. Good luck, bro. He wouldn't, that's not, that, that what looks like confidence. That's not Saul having confidence in young David. That's Saul saying, man, I thank God I don't have to go do that. I'm, Man, I, I'm going to stay alive today. Let this little boy go do what the king is supposed to do. Good luck, man. Good luck. And then Saul clothed David with his armor. I can't wait to get to heaven and see this picture. Like go back to that moment where young David's putting on the armor of Saul. Remember how, Saul, how tall Saul is. He's 6'9". David's a 13-year-old boy. 14-year-old boy. So you take, I mean, I, if I go put on clothes of a 6'9", man, it's going to look Ridiculous think about trying to go put on all of his armor how ridiculous that's going to look and so here young David is in that tent all this armor is getting put on David and David's like this ain't going to work that's that's what he says that's my language that's not in the Bible and David strapped on his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go and he had not been tested he couldn't do it and David said I cannot go with these I can't do this this is This ain't going to work. And so David put them off and he took his shaft in his hand and chose five stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch and a sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Think about what David looked like that day. He had a tunic on, a pouch around his shoulder with five stones, a sling and a shepherd's staff. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, you know, around Christmas time, they they do uh, the Christmas story and they depict certain people and they depict the shepherds. That's what David looked like. The 14-year-old boy that plays the shepherd in the pageant, that's what he looked like against this massive giant that day. And he runs out to the battlefield. He approaches the Philistine. And then the Philistine, in verse 41, moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. It's two on one. Do you catch that in the passage? Two on one. Two guys that have all the armor they need, all the weapons they need, against poor little David. Again, I I would have probably soiled my loincloth and ran away. I probably shouldn't have said that. That's what happens when you don't have that in your notes. You just say things. So David saw him. And the Philistine disdained David. And he was but a youth. In verse 44 it said, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come out with your sticks? And making fun of them. Like, are we going to go play fetch with your stick, man? That's a bad thing to say to David. Then the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. And look what David says. Okay, I see your wager. I'll raise you one. Then David said to the Philistine, you come with me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. You can come with all of your armor but I come with something way more powerful than you, the name of God. You see, the name of God in that moment was proclaimed to this wicked, wicked giant. You come to me with all you want to come to me with, but I'll come to you with one better, the name of the Lord. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I'll cut off your head, and I'll give your body to the and all the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field. Oh, you'll give my body to those things? Hey, big man, I'll give your body and all your army to that, and I'm going to cut your head off. What? Think about the confidence, the courage that young David had. That the earth may... No, there is a god i do all this i'm going to kill you i'm going to kill your army not for my namesake but for the namesake of god yahweh almighty that's who i'm going to do it for and that all this assembly may know the lord that saves not with a sword or with a spear but for the battle is the lord's and he will give us into your our hands you will be given to us and then the philistine rose and came near and drew near to david and david ran quickly to him all the other men had ran away from goliath david runs quickly to goliath and david put in his hand and in his bag and took a stone and slung it and struck the philistine these stones were about the size of a baseball And it said that David and the people could sling that thing with precision. We see that in uh, the book of Judges. And it said he could sling it so fast it would go 150 miles an hour. So here's young 14-year-old David running, slinging this thing. 150 mile an hour stone right to his forehead. It wasn't by chance. David knew exactly where to aim and hit it. And he hit him in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face, all nine feet, six inches of this giant. Bam! Right on his face. So David prevailed over the Philistine. And with a sling and with a stone, he struck the Philistine and killed him. And just for good measures, that's not in the Bible, that's my lingo, David didn't have a sword, then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took the Philistine sword and drew it. Think about how massive that sword had to be. Oh, here's young David, 14-year-old. Takes his big old sword and slings it up over his arm. And then it says that he cut his head off for good measure. And David prevailed. And catch this. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, who fled this time? They fled, and then the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath. And the people of Israel came back, chasing the Philistine. They plundered their camp, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it into Jerusalem and put it, put his armor in his tent. You see, when we come to the story. When we look at this amazing story of David and Goliath, I ask you this question. Who are you in the story? See, we want to identify ourselves with David. But the reality and the truth is, none of us in this room are David. We are all the Israelites. And we need a David. You see, this story is a foreshadow of the greatest king, the greatest warrior to ever come. His name is King Jesus. You see, when you and I are like the Israelites, have we not fled and fled and fled and want something else to conquer? There is a King Jesus who comes and he conquers everything. And Goliath in this story is Satan, is our sin. You and I cannot conquer sin on our own. We need a David. That's the great king, King Jesus. And King Jesus has come, and he's conquered sin, and he conquered Goliath. That cross shows us that is God's sling for us with a stone. He conquered the giant, and one fell swoop on a cross. You see, you and I are not David. We're Israelites. But see, the same way that when little David came and conquered the giant and conquered the sin and conquered those Philistines, that you and I that day when Christ came and we set our faith and hope and trust in him, we have no more fear. Jared just sang it to us. But I wonder why do we still have fear in our lives? Because I don't think we really believe that we have King Jesus who's conquered Satan once and for all. You see, when we place our trust and hope in King Jesus, the fear of death is gone. How come? Because we know where we're going. See, if you fear death, you have no confidence of what Christ has done for you. See, I don't fear death. Death is going to be way better than this place because I know where my security lies. It's secure in the risen Savior of King Jesus who conquered my sin, my Goliath. Therefore, I have no fear you see because of what king jesus has done for us i don't fear the future i don't have to fret about what comes tomorrow or what's going to come in three weeks or four months or six years or 10 years or if god willing 80 years i won't be 120 but i don't fear the future because god's already told me my future And then lastly, I don't have to fear others. Or what others are going to think of me or do to me or say to me. Because Christ has already proclaimed who I am in Him. We sing it again, I'm a child of God and that's all that matters. And I just wonder, church, for us this morning, have you identified yourself more as David And not looked at how you're the Israelites. See, if you don't know Christ today, you are an Israelite and you will continue to flee. And you will not live with confidence. But the beauty and the gift and the promise of God is that Christ Jesus has conquered and killed our enemy. You see, there's a greater giant. His name is Christ Jesus. That is the giant who conquers all other things. Have we placed our hope and our faith and our trust in him today? You see, the same way that the Israelites stood on one mountain and Satan or Goliath stood on another, there was a great ravine. There was a great chasm between the two. And the Israelites were never going to cross that cavern out of fear. I wonder for us, in so many different ways, there's this great chasm if you don't know Christ. And you stand on the edge of that chasm and you look over and think, I want to go there. I want to conquer all those things. But you cannot make it on your own. And yet King Jesus bridged the chasm. You see, the chasm between you and eternity, you can never achieve on your own. There's not enough good works that you can do. Isaiah said your greatest works, your own righteousness is but filthy rags before God. You need a Savior to bridge the gap for you. I need a Savior to bridge the gap to welcome me into eternity. And that Savior gives me all the courage and all the hope and all the confidence that I need to face today, tomorrow, tomorrow in the next day. The same way that once David killed Goliath, the Israelites had great confidence. But is our words the same as what David said in verse 47 as I close? And this day, verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword or with a spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you end. To our hands do we have that confidence the battle is his and the battle has been won by the finished work of christ jesus let us pray god i pray for my own life if there's any place in my life god that i doubt and i fear i pray that you would quicken my heart like you gave young David confidence. I pray that you'd give me and remind me of the great confidence I have in the finished work of your son, Jesus. Because, oh yes, God, there's a lot of small Goliaths in our lives. But there is one great Goliath, Satan, who must be conquered. And we cannot conquer him. But the truth is, Lord Jesus, when you gave your body and you poured out your blood on that cross, that conquered. You are the great giant in this story. Goliath is but a wee man to you. And as I remind myself, God, from your word and from being with your people, I can have great confidence when things seem to be larger than they are,
0: but when I rest in you and I seek you.